Hey now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, at the Living the Dream Studios, and I got D-Boy alongside me here today. What's going on, D-Boy? What's good, bro, bro? What's good, man? I think this is our first time connecting in 2021 on the podcast. Nah. No, I'm saying on the podcast, we haven't done an episode together, I don't think. Did we? I think one. I think one, but you might be right. I might I, have to go back in the archives. I, I don't know, but certainly our last episode. might be episode, the second one, if anything. Our last episode was really dope. Yeah, <laughs> if sure. we haven't, yeah. um, we had Jason Verretto on the San Francisco 49ers. Phenomenal and episode. And my goodness, I'm glad that we actually let that episode breathe for a couple weeks because literally the entire two weeks that that episode has been out, I have not stopped getting feedback about it. So um, it was cool. We were able to kind of do a YouTube rollout as well. Go and subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is Devon Pouncy TV, as we're rolling right into announcements. Um, the Jason Verrett video, the interview video is up on Devon Pouncy TV. And you should be able, I mean, you should be just checking out all the things I'll be doing on there. Obviously, um, the Wake Up and Win podcast vids will live there. Um, obviously, you know, I do a lot of political work as well. So those videos I'll be uploading Portland State, which we actually have two games this weekend, one on Thursday. Day and one on Saturday. The Thursday game has a 7 p.m. tip-off. The Saturday game has a noon tip-off against the University of Montana. So you can watch me on Pluto TV live during those games, but I'll also be posting up some of the pre-game, halftime, and post-game shows from the games this weekend onto that channel. So just kind of all things Devon Pouncey will be there on Devon Pouncey TV. Um, but yeah, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you do all the things that you need to do to support the channel and obviously support this podcast. Also, next week, it'll be February the 10th. Um, I did an interview with Oregon rep Janelle Bynum. It was really dope. Um, the legislative session has started here in the state of Oregon. So I got to talk to her a lot about um, the House bills that regarded police accountability and just police reform overall. We all know how big of a year this has been in regards to the social justice, justice movement and the fight against police brutality and misconduct. And now that we have these new administrations that are in office from the local level ranging all the way to the federal level a lot of legislative sessions are happening right now in regards to us trying to seek real change so rep janelle bynum she really really laid things out in a proper way in regards to many of the bills that have been proposed and you all will want to check it out. It'll actually be kind of a dual thread. It'll be a Q&A in the Street Roots newspaper. So for those of you, make sure you go out and support the local vendors. We actually have a new paper that'll be coming out today, but we're a weekly paper. So this article won't be released until next week's paper. But still, today, Wednesday, go buy a paper. That's our new paper day now. We got vendors all over the city of Portland, but next week should definitely be looking out for that. Um, the audio will also be on the Street Roots podcast, so make sure you subscribe there because you'll be able to actually listen to the interview rather than just read it in a newspaper. So a lot of things coming, a lot of things cooking, and the work does not stop. The grit don't quit, and the grind keeps going. D-Boy, you got any quick announcements? Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl. We got a, a little function going on, a little small knit mask wearing Function at the uh, Living the <laughs> Dream Brandon store, COVID friendly. <laughs> uh, six people in the store at one time at most. Uh, but you know, we got a little, uh, what they call it? We got a little overhead covering thing. They call it, I don't know right now, but <laughs> it's cool. We got some outside area beer pong going on. So pull up if you're in the Portland area. And uh, yeah, that's what I got for you. How's the store rocking for you? It's going good, man. Branding is, oh man, it's at an all time high. I feel like really fun business. Um, I've been learning a lot. Uh, screen printing and embroidery is, is popping for me. So doing a lot of orders, uh, learning a lot. Tap in with me if you got any kind of questions on that. If you're starting a brand, if you if you need uniforms, any of that kind of stuff, man. We we really the entrepreneurship is dope. I like it. You liking it? You liking yeah, it? Dual threat artists and entrepreneurs. Even in a fun. pandemic. Even in a pandemic, I think even more so in a pandemic. It's kind of like when everybody wants to. Uh, well, still everybody wants to try to be a rapper, but you know when everybody is doing it and shooting a music video, man, think about that music director, that video director. He getting chicken because. 
because everybody want to do that. Now with everybody being in a pandemic and spending more time at home and away from their job, whether they working from home or laid off or whatever, they trying to start businesses. So we fall in the realm of all of that from logo creations to, to branding to merch, blank apparel and the whole nine yards. So I think even more so in a pandemic for sure. Super dope, super dope. Well, let's jump straight into some content because we got a whole lot to get to since we haven't recorded here in the past couple weeks because like I said, we let that Jason Verrett interview breathe. And if you haven't checked it out, please, please go check it out again. But we talked Jason Verrett and now we're jumping straight into football here on this episode. Super Bowl, man. It's Super Bowl Sunday, as D-Boy already mentioned. And... I'll be honest with you. I'm definitely excited for it. I'm a football fan. Uh, you got, I mean, what two better quarterbacks <laughs> would you want to have, you know, in a matchup sure. to face off on a Super Bowl Sunday? But I'll be honest with you, man. I feel like I'm having sort of a stick to sports viewpoint when it comes to this game. <laughs> like, Talk to me. Well, Here's why. I mean, I've grown to have immense respect for Tom Brady as a quarterback. I think he's the greatest quarterback ever. And that's going to be really hard to eclipse whether Patrick Mahomes beats him or not this weekend. Obviously, if Mahomes loses, it's going to be damn near impossible, I think, for him to ever eclipse Brady as, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time, which Brady currently is. Um, But I'm not really the biggest Brady fan. And also... I definitely don't support, and I haven't forgot about Brady being the MAGA guy, wearing the MAGA hat, supporting Trump and all of that because they have a really good friendship. But here's why, and I and yeah, I don't support that, obviously. That yeah. that shit I just I don't like it. Yeah, I don't all. support that. I don't like that, and that's like just it. what it is there. But why I feel like I'm having sort of a stick to sports moment is because you look on the other side, you have Patrick Mahomes who's a black quarterback, and I want to see black quarterbacks succeed in the NFL like no other. Even on the episode that we had with Verrett, we were talking about the potential opportunity for Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes to face off. It didn't happen, but that was my wish because I wanted to see the black quarterback play against the black quarterback. So you would think that I would be rooting for Patrick Mahomes already explaining MAGA Brady and now explaining Patrick Mahomes as a black quarterback that I want to see thrive and succeed. I'm torn. But the problem is this. I'm torn. I don't even think I'm torn. I think I want Brady to win. And here's the reason why. I'm a die-hard fucking Oakland Raiders fan, and I do not want to see the Chiefs win a Super Bowl ever. But, but look, though. But <laughs> and, look and so though. my fandom is kind of taking over. We, we got an ill will. I feel like that whole tuck rule situation is near and dear to our heart with Brady. Not I get that. just the Patriots overall. So that's why I said I'm torn, because I got a real ill, bitter feeling. I don't like Brady. I don't like him, but... I think for the first time in history of football, I'm going to bet for him, and I'm going to root for him this time around. I'm pulling for him. I don't him. know. I'll some be honest I, with you. I'm over I liked that. about him this season. I don't know, bro, but I, hear you. I don't know. It's like the respect is just continuously gained as far as his athletic ability, especially at his age. But I'm just looking at the odds, and and and, and I think Mahomes got a bright future and a lot of – a lot of opportunities to win at least another Super Bowl, maybe, you know, going a, a keep the run going that yeah. he's, you know, but, he's uh, already won last it, year defending it, it, his title. Exactly. So with the probability of going back to back being kind of tough and uh you going against Brady who's experienced and as I look, he does have weapons. Leonard Fournette is coming to his own. He's 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 great. Yeah. Um his receiving core with Mike Evans, I'm sure Antonio Brown will be back now. Um, I I just can't bet against. He's got him. his tight end and Gronk. <laughs> I was talking to the homie Zay Dub uh, on Twitter what yesterday or something, and I'm like, man, I'm betting for the Chiefs, and he just said like, I I learned my lesson betting against. Don't Brady. bet against Brady. And I seen him do it the other week, and I I understood, and I think I won a little bit of money on that during a live bet. But I say all that to say. As I continue to think and and try to picture how this game is gonna pan out. 
I'm I'm room for Brady this time. That's where my money gonna be. Man, at. and like I said, for me, <laughs> I, I hear you. Be at. I hear you on the Tuck Rule thing, but I'm kind of over and past that. It's so that. far fast. It's so far. It was so long ago. And like I'm kind of past that. We've like, been weak <laughs> ever since. But every year. We got to see that divisional rival twice a year and the Chiefs, and I've never liked them. And also what makes them a bit easier to dislike is the fact that they do have a Native American masketry issue going on with them being the Chiefs, so on and so forth. That's a whole nother conversation that we can get into. But what I'm more so speaking to is to the quarterback duel, which is obviously the most important position in football. And we often look at quarterbacks as kind of the leaders of whatever big game that they go into, the difference makers in whatever big game they go into, they're who receives the most spotlight. You would think from my personal beliefs and my personal stances that by a long shot, I would want Mahomes to beat Tom Brady for the reasons I've already said, but not quite this weekend because my fandom is getting in the way of that as a Raider fan, which I don't think I'm a fan of any other team harder than I am a fan of the Raiders in any sport that I'm willing to kind of push my little personal stances to the side here For this and say, you know what? I don't want the Chiefs to win. I don't give a damn about no politics. All right, so <laughs> hot take. Take all those elements out that you just mentioned and who do you think is the better team? The Which? better team is the Chiefs. Ooh. The God. better team is the Chiefs. Why? They, they got the best quarterback. They got the they, they better, got he, they got the they got what? Absolutely. Better than Brady? In the game today, for sure. Brady's 43 years old. This isn't Tom Brady of his prime. Sure, Brady is still the GOAT if we're talking about in all-time circumstances. Right, but but year, today, Mahomes no doubt, quarterback no doubt, Ma- Mahomes threat. established himself as the better quarterback, I think, two years ago um, when he won, when he, he didn't win, go to the Super Bowl, but he won MVP. Right. Then last year, he wins the Super Bowl. And then this year, he's right back in the, the Super better Bowl. better quarterback. He's the best. Actually, he's the best player in football if we're just kind of being real about it. He's the best player in football today. He's great. Patrick Mahomes great. is. Plus, his offense is crazy explosive. So, so And they, defensively, they, they I missing, don't think the Bucs are that great. Key, key, they missing a couple of key pieces on the line that I uh, I read about. And, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking, how do you think they're a better team with the threats that I mentioned earlier on the Tampa Bay side? What do you think separates because they have the every bit as they have every bit as good as threats, if not better threats, on the Chiefs offense. You got Travis Kelsey, better than Gronk yeah. today. Gronk is all-time. I think Gronk will fall as a better tight end than Kelsey. Yeah. But today, Travis Kelsey, I think, is the best tight end in football. You got a Cheetah, the fastest. Oh, my Tyreek. gosh. Well, Tyreek Hill, fastest player in the NFL. Like, yeah. did you watch what he did in the AFC Championship game? My goodness. He was, so what do you it think was like going, he was playing against high schoolers out there. What do you think will allow for Tampa Bay to win then? Game management. The more Brady can hold on to the football, time of possession is more so what I'm getting at. Brady needs the football in his hands more than Patrick Mahomes has the football in his hands because I think Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense is far more lethal. They got more firepower. Where I think Brady is good at is being able to keep possession of the football so that that Chiefs offense is on the field as minimal as absolute possible, which I think Brady's been good at. He's good when it comes to being a situational quarterback and being able to try to slow down the momentum of the opposing team. It's almost like their offense is playing a little bit of defense, but in order to do that, you still, but in order to do that, you still got to move the chains to to hold on to the football. Um, I, probably the Chiefs. I don't think the Bucks are like the greatest defensive I don't think team. So either. The Chiefs are the better football team. The Chiefs are the favorite. That's and where my money was gonna go, but the juice is on Tampa. And if they're gonna give Brady that kind of juice, I'm gonna take it. And I'll live with the L if and, I got and to. listen, I remember Period. a few years ago, um John Canzano when I was at the uh when he when I was at seven fifty the game, which we'll actually talk about Alpha Media, that company, a little bit later on. But anywho, John Canzano, he uh he did like a Super Bowl party for his foundation. And I'll never forget it. And Canzano's my witness, and whoever else was at that party was my witness. This was the Super Bowl when Atlanta was up like 28 <laughs> over the Patriots, and the Patriots came back, and he was shady Tom Brady. And I knew at that during that moment, 
even when Atlanta went on that crazy run, everybody thought that the game was over at the Super Bowl party. I was the only one that consistently said, man, y'all be, y'all better be careful. It's too early on. And Shady Tom Brady, he'll do it Shady to you. Tom. If there's anybody that can get it done and make this miraculous comeback during a Super Bowl, it would be Shady Tom Brady. And indeed he did, and they ended up winning. So I'm also one who subscribes to never bet against Tom Brady. But I do think this is a rare instance where the opposing team is actually better than Tom Brady's team, even at his position. I don't know if I could ever say Tom Brady's ever been in a Super Bowl and I could say that the opposing quarterback was better than him. I'm confident in saying that right now today, Patrick Mahomes is better than him. And he's 43 years old. Again, obviously, we we respect all of his accomplishments and what he's still able to do at the age of 43. But Mahomes is one of the greatest talents I've ever seen in the sport of football. Could ultimately become the greatest talent to ever play the sport of football. But we'll see this weekend how it all plays out. <laughs> I'm putting big chicken on, on Tampa. This all you're worried about is, bet, is betting. <laughs> so, I'm just thinking of the game. It, 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 it's just something about it. I'm thinking of what you're saying. Even with that, it kind of further backs my point. Something about time why I don't like him, he finds a way to win even when it's so improbable. And it happens over and over. All the time. Which further just makes me feel... You heard it. What was it? The deflate gate? What, the, deflate the, gate. All of that. <laughs> he's, been, he's been a part of too he many comes controversies. comes right back and beats and you it, again. That's what I'm saying. So whether it's straight up fair or whether it's some backstory behind it, he just somehow finds a way every time. And that's why it goes back to what we said. He can't bet against Tom Brady. Can't bet against Tom Brady. But I will say, and this isn't even an original take, I I, I mentioned it and I alluded to it earlier, but I want to acknowledge who I heard it from, and it was actually Stephen A. Smith because, like I said, Mahomes is already being looked at as that guy that could potentially be the greatest quarterback we've ever seen based on what he's already accomplishing, based on – the dynamics that he has to his game as a quarterback. He's just kind of a one-of-one in regards to being every bit as much of a threat running the ball as he is passing the ball. You usually see one or the other. You see a guy who can really pass the shit out of the ball but may not be so great running the ball. Or you see a super athletic quarterback who can run the ball like crazy and, and break out of the pocket and make spectacular plays, especially when things break down. But they're not the greatest passers. And so Mahomes is that guy who I think is every bit as good passing the ball as he is running the ball. So, But the take is essentially was if Mahomes does not beat Tom Brady this weekend, it'll be virtually impossible for him to ever be able to eclipse Tom Brady as the greatest quarterback of all time. And I agree with that 100%. Because of all that Tom Brady's accomplished, I don't think anybody will ever accomplish what he has at that position. But the fact that Mahomes is the player in the league right now today that's in that conversation, and rightfully so in regards to what his trajectory has been and what it continues to be, he's got to beat Brady this weekend if he wants to ultimately be the GOAT when all is said and done and his career is over with. You're right. right. I I I agree. I think it, it means a lot. It, yeah, it means a lot. It's on, huge. It means a lot. Like more pressure is on Mahomes this weekend and than Brady. That's another thing, and he's still young. And you, got, because he's so good, we forget that. And I'm playing all of these mental. It's a mental game that's going to be played on Sunday because they both got talent. They there for a reason, but it's going to come down to mental. And 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 if you think Mahomes ain't going to have the jitterbugs, he might hide it well, but. He definitely going to be nervous. Mahomes is a beast, though. <laughs> it's a lot. I've seen yeah, Mahomes he, he, do he's some just spectacular so stuff. good that it can, over, it can outweigh all of that shit. All of that, man. It, My it, goodness. It, 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 we going to see. Absolutely, absolutely. But moving right along as this will kind of be a rapid-fire episode here. Um, let's just stick to football for right now. Versus sports. Um, versus, y'all no. always hear us talk about no. it from a music front, but... I'm going to definitely allow you to elaborate on that. But just to give a little bit of context, context versus we usually talking about artists against artists playing their best 20 records. And y'all have heard us talk about versus time and again on this very podcast. But what they're doing with versus sports is, at least for starters, because they just launched it. They have these pro bowlers 
that basically play their highlights against each other on Instagram Live rather than obviously artists playing their best records. We go ahead YouTube. and tell <laughs> What do you mean by that? We got YouTube. I can see any highlight from any game on any of these players you just well, mentioned. Well, you can hear any song from any artist, but not on those same platforms that you're talking about. But it's more of a you I think it's it, I get the fact that it's more like current when you say pro bowlers it's like current stat I mean current highlights correct Yeah this it's se- nostalgia this in the music you're getting brought back into a time where all of this stuff is current you you I know literally people who are busy working or whatever don't watch the games and literally go to YouTube to see that condensed 13 minute versions of every highlight that took place in that game and do that faithfully at the end of every night so I think it's just not as much of a need for it as and, and as it is access, even though we do have access to all of those songs you mentioned. Like I said, when you're hearing some of your artists that aren't at the forefront, these these players are at the forefront right now. Like you mentioned, pro bowlers, they're current. Some of these artists that we've heard that we haven't heard from in a while, haven't seen in their element in a while, and then we're hearing songs that we might have forgot about or isn't in our regular rotation. So I think it was more elements that benefited from versus in a music standpoint than it would from a versus sports. I hear you. I think versus blew up so big musically though, that it's definitely going to have to expand. And I think this was a good way to at least have some trial and error. Not even to say that this is an error to this point. I'll be honest with you. I ain't watched it. I only watched the versus music yeah, battles. That's what I go to versus four. But with that being said, being that we're in a pandemic, seeing all the rescheduling that took place in the Ashanti Keisha Cole versus uh, versus because of all the restrictions, I definitely think versus has no better time to kind of explore and experiment in other industries as a business model because you want to kind of keep the fans engaged. And also, I mean, it's sports. It's culture. That's part of the reason why I'm even bringing it up here because of the intersectional aspects, intersectional sports, politics, and culture. That's what we are here. But I just don't think it I think when you expand, you want to... It's kind of like being an entrepreneur, opening a store, and then you're doing good and opening a second store. You want that second store to thrive as well. Obviously... It may or may not, but you kind of you kind of want to keep that trend going uh, of success, and I think it's going to be such a big drop off, and that's what you don't want, and, and, and especially to take over when you've been so successful, even within overcoming a lot of the adversity that you had to do to COVID. I, I think- just think that it's not as valuable as what the music side had to offer, and not even close enough to where. It'll literally be in the long run, maybe, you know, in the in the near future. But I say the long run, like you said, they have enough success where I think the sports side will they will try long enough for us to say the long run. It just won't last. Yeah. Even if it does or doesn't last, the only thing that I would say it doesn't bother me so much is because it is still two different industries. Like I hear what you're saying. You open one store, you want to branch off in the second store to be as successful as the first store. But I think you also got to take into account if you know versus, you know, it's Apple, which is streaming services. You know that it's Swiss beats and it's Timbaland. You know that music is its bread and butter, but sometimes I don't mind kind of sectoring off and doing other things and, and and really without even worrying about the drop what the drop off is going to be yeah. because they've had such massive success I thought that Ash- I would have never thought that Ashanti and Keisha Cole after all the reschedules after everything that after coming an hour late to nice the show nice Keisha Cole all of that <laughs> They broke e- they broke all their they versus broke, records yeah, viewing wise, right. even the Gucci versus Jeezy. I know. So I've seen that it. told me this. That can't be touched regardless. And you shouldn't even be thinking about any other business models affecting that's that crazy. with all that that has gone through and, and it's still continuing to break numbers yeah. from previous verses that we've seen. Facts. And it's obvious obviously been a massive hit. So I think, you know, just experimenting and who knows, we'll see how they try to weave in other sports this as time goes on. Um, in, I mean, it's the same industry, different 
entity though. But is the big three done for good? Did COVID wipe that out? It, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's no, I it's no, seen it's that, not a, it's not a big three game in sight. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. pretty much over with. Yeah, yeah, it's over with. I don't know if they'll try to. I don't know what they got going on yeah. behind the scenes to I'm ever try to bring it back. It was such but, a, like a lower attendance anyway than you know that of an NBA game. I'm surprised they didn't try to navigate that situation through COVID with you know just less fans or however because I, I felt like that would have been a lot easier for somebody like a big three to withstand as opposed to, um, you know, that of the NBA with, with so many more factors involved. Ah, uh, yeah. I think that, that though, you're getting into a little bit more of how many owners that do you have involved that have influence in the NBA and other areas outside of basketball in comparison to, to ice cube <laughs> trying to kind of hold the same power that I mean, ice the, cube the, and the people that's on the roster though. He had, he has some he, good yeah, interesting people they, in there. But, yeah, but they old now. So they all, they got to worry about the hell. Some of them people is old, but that's kind of what's the, entertainment in it in it for, per se you know especially when you got people like steven jackson i was in the league and him making so much noise on the outside with his podcast and the social injustice and everything i think that kind of but part of it would but, circle back into a good thing for something like the big three but part of it with the big three you didn't have teams that were based in a particular location so with the nba you have your Blazers fans and your Blazers supporters that are going to support all things Blazers. Obviously, they can't go to the game right now, but when you start to think about the merch that the league sells, when you start to think about um, the, the, the TV oh, they didn't endorsements, have for them? They, they just went to random cities and played these games in random cities. Wasn't, had it wasn't city-based? No, no. Each weekend, they would all go to the same city and play games in Seattle one weekend and they all go to LA and play games in but LA. It wasn't like the No, Las they Vegas weren't based out of a, nothing, no, they no. weren't based out of a city. They were just teams that mm. all traveled as an entire league. So it it would have been a lot harder I think for Facts. them to accomplish from that standpoint. Nobody had a home site. <laughs> you know, it, it was nothing like that. It's over. So so from a 3 on 3 landscape, I I just don't think that that could have worked. Um unfortunately, we got to get into some not so good shit. Um, have you heard about this situation with uh, Chad Wheeler? Chad Wheeler. Talk to me. Um, he plays for the Seattle Seahawks. I definitely heard that. Yeah, and Chad he Wheeler, just, he did the domestic abuse. The domestic abuse situation. Yeah, the strangulation and bow Absolutely. down to me and all that bullshit. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and I want to start off by saying this ain't the player hater podcast and this ain't the relationship podcast. And this isn't the podcast where we tend to get in people's business if we don't have to. And we try not to get into that type of business when it comes to, you know, partners and what it is that they go through because shit happens on a lot of different levels. But here's my thing with this Chad Wheeler incident. All I needed to see was the pictures the picture of the victim. Was enough. That was too much. All I needed to see was I didn't need to read the story. You didn't need to see a video. <laughs> Which I did, just yeah. so just so we're For clear. Sure. But but I didn't need to I didn't need anything Them more than, to, than the pictures to know that he was way out of pocket. And this is unlike you people that can see a to it just to compare what I mean by this, you can see a, a video of clear blatant police brutality and you still need extra evidence and you still need extra time to think about being anti-police or standing up against police brutality because of whatever relationship that you have with policing in this country. But you won't stand up against a video that shows clearly and blatantly that the police was wrong, that the system was wrong, and you don't want to allow that video to be enough proof for you to acknowledge acknowledge it. Excuse me. Like I said, for me, all I needed was to see the picture. I didn't need to read a story. He went entirely too far. I don't condone anybody putting their hands on women. I don't care women. if it was caught in, in, in any way, but you, you off your meds he, or nothing. That was too. That was way too far. Way too far. <laughs> so he definitely shouldn't be in the league anymore. He, I believe be he banned. definitely should be doing some. He, he he'll should be, be serving some serious time. Or hey, if somebody gets after him, somebody gets after no, him because the shit he did. He'll be in jail it's worth for a somebody long time getting after too. him. <laughs> like I said, the pictures told 
a thousand words and more. Absolutely. He, he, he'll be washed. And, and, and that's why I'm more mm-hmm. so willing to get into this particular business. Because like I said, people see videos. Have of any sh- Seahawks spoke up on that? Because he was a current player. The Seahawks, I know the Seahawks team made a statement. Of course. But I don't but even care about the statement. That's I, what I, I'm saying. Of I, didn't, I didn't, I haven't I just feel like certain see. things, <laughs> I, it take I, a honestly. lot of integrity and courage, but certain things, and like you said, even us as a podcast, we tend to not speak on a lot of relationship-driven type of issues, but I think this is something that needs to be spoke on, and even... To my discredit, like, yeah, I heard of the Chad Wheeler situation, but for me to have to even think and be like, I heard of it, but what? It's like, that needs to be at the top of our, like, yeah. we headlines. That needs, <laughs> the number one that, headlines. And that's real talk. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. All I gotta it say it should it. be on every sports debate show. It should at least be acknowledged. Like I said, I, again, I'm going to reiterate. I, I, we try to keep things as player as we possibly can out, out here. And that people player. go through that shit relationship-wise. and was all the of that. Of that was 100% the opposite of player. And like I said, all I needed to see was the pictures to condemn that shit with everything that is inside of me because that was absolutely foul. So I, I hope anybody that's out there that is okay with what happened, Screw you. Anybody out there that wants to turn a blind eye to that, whether you're a show, whether you're a person, whether you're an entity, screw you as well. Because like I said, again, that's something if you're willing to turn a blind eye to that, you remind me of a person that's willing to turn a blind eye to a video like we saw with George Floyd, to give an example. There's a lot of people that saw that video where we saw clear cut that it was absolutely wrong. There was nothing player about it, if we want to use that term again. And it was just flat out foul and unfair and cruel and all the other negative connotations that I can attach to the situation. But you still want to turn a blind eye to the fact that we're dealing with what it is that we're dealing with in America it's the same exact thing for me in regards to if you turned a blind eye to the domestic abuse that happened in that particular relationship. So um, certainly want to send my prayers up to the victim and her family and her friends and her loved ones, because like I said, that will turn anybody into a demon (laughs) in in regards to, you know what I mean? In regards to their loved one being treated and handled or mishandled, I should say in the way that she was. So I I pray for everybody involved, you know what I mean? And obviously even him, you know, not to try to soften the blow in regards to how I feel for him, but certainly want to see him get handled the way that he needs to be so that he doesn't become a repeat offender somewhere along the line as well. Something he needs to learn from in a whole bunch of ways that I don't want to be the judge of, but, but, but it's certainly something he needs to learn from in one way or another. But yeah, I just couldn't go through this episode today without acknowledging it because I just thought it was absolutely foul and I'm not hearing enough people go out their way to condemn it. Um, it's bad. <clears throat> unfortunately, we're going to stick to the sad note because 2021 has not slowed down following the year of 2020, especially no, when it's it come hasn't. to deaths. Um, this will kind of just be an in-memoriam conversation because there's been so many deaths in 2021, starting with Hank Aaron. Um, and I'm not saying this in order of date people died, but it's just, you know, some major losses that we've, that we've dealt with in 2021. Um, Hank Aaron, my goodness. I mean, here's my thoughts on this whole Hank Aaron situation. Um, and I'm going to bring up Barry Bonds, but not for the reasons that a lot of white sports media, if we're being honest, brings up Barry Bonds when it comes to him being compared to Hank Aaron. I'm not doing that for that reason. Mm-mm. The reason I'm doing it for is you and I grew up in the Bay Area. So we remember the year Barry Bonds was basically knocking home runs out the park and counting down to ultimately surpass the record. I remember the energy around that as well. Every every night on every news station, obviously every sports station, every sports radio show as we're riding to school or whatever else. Right. Just everywhere. It was Barry Bonds this, Barry Bonds that. I ultimately say that to say I've never felt like I've been a part of a sports moment 
greater than that just based on the fact that I lived in the Bay Area when it happened. Facts. I've never seen a greater sports moment where I was able to be in the atmosphere of it. Not even a a Warriors championship, not the Dame Lillard three-pointer that we got to be a part of the atmosphere for here. Never have I ever been in the atmosphere of a sports moment greater than that of Barry Bonds. That was... was Hall of Fame in the making right there. Historical. It was everything nuts. In the it. energy everything in the involved. Bay Area yeah. was absolutely everything. nuts. <laughs> like, it was it was crazy. Sports now, cards going crazy. It everything. was nuts. It was nuts. <laughs> it was nuts. But I say that to say, thinking back to when Hank Aaron broke the record of Babe Ruth for the all-time home runs, Especially when Vallejo was, I mean, not not Vallejo, excuse me, I'm thinking about our hometown, but especially when baseball in particular was really, really America's sport. It's still America's sport, but that's the foundation of America's sport. At least we're going more closer back to that time. Mm-hmm. And to really take into consideration that the energy if I just compare energies of how significant it is to be the all-time home run leader in the sport of baseball based on what I witnessed and experienced being in the Bay Area during Barry Bonds' times, to know that Hank, Hank Aaron was doing this during a time of civil rights and when racism was escalated in an insane way and that that same energy that I think about for Barry Bonds was translated into Hank Aaron having to deal with the nastiness of take breaking a record of Babe Ruth in America's sport, which is the whitest sport still known to man at this point, as far as I'm concerned. For sure. It's absolutely crazy for me to even fathom, think, or imagine all that it was Hank Aaron had to go through just to break that record. True. Just based on the culture surrounding it. True. Not even what he dealt with individually, More what he dealt with personally. Imagine, More than we can imagine it because I'm really thinking about the culture surrounding Barry Bonds. And it was, again, the greatest sports atmosphere culture I've ever been around. But to really just kind of translate that into the racism, into the backlash, into the commercial ads that he got um, that were racist commercial ads in regards to Hank Aaron, just everything. It, it really gives me a certain outlook and respect on Hank Aaron. We often talk about the Muhammad Ali's of the world. Obviously, present day, we're talking about the LeBron James's of the world. And even, you know, we talk often about the, um, we, we all, Jackie Robinson's of the world, if we do want to stick with baseball here. Facts. I can't imagine. I don't know this for fact, but I can't imagine any anybody going through more turmoil for being black within sport than Hank Aaron. I can't imagine it. I may be completely wrong. I don't have any factual evidence. Not even Jackie Robinson? Not even Jackie Robinson. Because the fact that Babe Ruth had become the savior within baseball... It's almost like Babe Ruth became bigger than the game because of who Babe Ruth was. So Jackie Robinson is coming into a sport and he's just trying to be accepted within the sport to break the record of the biggest hero that has been a part of this sport and you're black and he's white. It was a problem. I I, I could only imagine this. Like I said, I, I can't say whether I'm right or not. I wasn't around. I don't know enough, if I'm being honest, to say whether I was right enough. I mean, I know a bit. I know some background on each one of them, but it's like I just can't imagine that Hank Aaron did not deal with more because of breaking that record than that of anybody in the world of sports. I can't imagine it. Because it was too big of a moment, too huge of an event. And like I said, just thinking about how huge that Barry Bonds moment was and just kind of rewinding time and trying to put myself in a time capsule. That was the shit. To for back real. To, that it was, was crazy. <laughs> McCovey Cole, man, was it was it was like I said, I've never yeah, been around that. Stadium nothing. was iconic. It was just a good time. It was really. a crazy it was an insane time. <laughs> it was an insane time. And like I said, being able to be in the region for it was just super crazy. But D boy, let's transition out of sports for a little bit. And I want to talk about radio and talk music. And the reason why is and I'm a player 
I'm a play. Uh, before that, I, I, we'll okay. it, we'll okay. weave that into this. We'll weave that into this. Um, but I actually want to talk about a post uh, Funk Flex, and dang, he got so many posts on here. I got to make sure that I get the right one. Mm-hmm. Um, but Funk Master Flex, who is uh, internationally acclaimed DJ, one of the greatest hip hop DJs we've ever come to know. Um, he went on a podcast called Million Dollars Worth of Game, which I listened to frequently, and he was just straight up asked the question, is radio dead? And I want you as an artist especially to hear the answer to this because I want your reaction in real time, but also it can lead into the other conversation as you just mentioned. Let me, if any new and up-and-coming artist, let me just let you know, Radio does not break you as an artist. Radio only makes you a superstar. YouTube, the uh, DSPs, social media, you can break your music there. That's it. You don't, you don't need me to break your music. Now, my freestyles, that helps break artists, you know, but not that. So it's sometimes, I guess... It's usually veteran artists. The young artists just go back to the drawing board. If you're a veteran artist, right, you have to pay attention. There are qualities that the young kids are doing that are very important. They're dropping music constantly. Mm-hmm. Keep up. Why, why can't you keep up? If you can't keep up, you ain't got to... If you don't have as much music to drop as them, you got to think about it. And then... I'll be honest, if you're over a rapper and you're over 35, you shouldn't even be dropping an album. You should drop an EP. You ain't got enough material. You ain't standing on a corner long enough to give me 12 for 15 songs. All right, I'm going to cut it off there. I'm going to cut it off there. You get the gist of why that was obviously significant of him to say because he is one of the most well-known radio DJs that there are. I mean, he's a DJ on Hot 97, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, like absolute hip-hop it's a staple within hip-hop um as far as it being a radio a hip-hop radio station certainly probably the hip-hop station that has the most tradition i would say um but after hearing that like i said i want your reaction in real time what's kind of your thoughts on that 100 percent agree with everything he said um i think that any song that gets to radio is is usually channeled through the digital service providers he talked about the um youtube things of that nature and it usually gets heard and acknowledged before it makes it to radio radio is a big budget industry that's losing a lot of money because we'll talk about that i think pretty soon but um with people consuming music so many different ways other than radio right now you're definitely only getting the best of the best, your biggest hits, even more so than ever right now. So I think with certain radio stations and DJ uh, connections and relationships, you get your one-offs where you might get a premiere of a more local artist or somebody who doesn't have the numbers as a mainstream, big as a mainstream artist, and you might get discovered that way. But it's so far and few in between that on a major level, you're just getting the same cycle of music every hour on the hour as far as radio so i think he's right it's up to you to put out a lot of content and maybe one out of them a hundred songs might really suffice to to really be a life changer but once again it comes down to what i always preach and it's a numbers game one project a year usually isn't gonna do it in a game where it's so easy for people to make music and put it out right now that Everything he said was to a T. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that episode just came out like yesterday, two days ago. Today is Tuesday. We're recording on a Tuesday night. It was. It came out on a Sunday. So it's a very new episode. But right. like I said, it's just interesting to hear that from Funk Flex, who has made his tea. career Perfect. from radio as a radio DJ for, like I said, the hip hop station that is Hot 97, which I think holds the most tradition. Um, but at the same time, I hear that clip over the weekend and I also see over the weekend that Alpha Media, which is the former company that employed me, or I was a former employee of that company, um, they filed for bankruptcy. 
And I'm not here to shit on radio. I'm not here to shit on alpha media. And I tell people all the time when they ask me, I'm not anti-radio. And if the right opportunity presents itself, I'm more than willing to get back into radio because radio was the funnest job I've ever had. To be able to wake up and as a full-time job, host a three-hour radio show talking about sports and things that I like, That was super dope. Like, I'm not denying that it was still work. It was still hard work. But it was the kind of labor I like because I like to talk and run my mouth, obviously, as y'all know, based on me here on this podcast. But, yeah, that was my full-time gig at the time. But um, they went bankrupt, and I would probably imagine that they're going to say it has something more so to do with the pandemic and the loss of advertisement during the pandemic and all of that. That is kind of what I read in the Three years when I was there. (laughs) I was going to be my first question, so let's cut to the chase. Did you see it coming? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the reason why I saw it coming was just because, um, for one, Alpha Media is, you know, a nationwide radio company. They have stations all across the country, and they're headquartered here in Portland. So I was kind of getting to see more of the business and the trajectory of how things were going. And I'm inside of the headquarter building, seeing what decisions are being made in regards to this company. And it was even a struggle back then. Obviously, I wasn't rehired and my trajectory was actually pretty good. They would try to say that the ratings were low, but I was only on the air for six months and I inherited a time slot that had low ratings. And from the time I inherited that time slot to the time that I ended on that time slot, every month I was on air, the ratings went up. up. So the trajectory was great there. So it was kind of like a BS thing. It's like, okay, yeah, the program directors telling folks that our ratings weren't high enough, but we just started the fucking show. Um, But again... With that and just seeing some of the decisions that were made there as well, I just thought that um, some of the decisions that were made, they weren't on the right side of history, maybe in some ways as a company. Um, Like I said, I'm not going to get into the specifics of that because I'm not bitter about it. Like, I'm not bitter about what happened, what took place. I actually think it's been a great part of my story and who I am now and who I'm growing to become. And it'll always be a great part of my story because it certainly was the place that introduced me to the media space in a way to where I knew this was something that I wanted to do long term. Like, until I came to I the, you on that. You know I what like I mean? I've seen that firsthand from you. So Absolutely. I, I know what you mean. Absolutely. Like, I come into that place. I had never been in a radio booth like that before, in a radio studio like that before. And like I said, this is the headquarters. We're the at the building. Pac West, we're at the Pac West that? Center. It's the fourth tallest building yep. in downtown Portland. And we're on the sixth floor. It's almost like penthouse vibes. And, and we got stated, met great, great people, shit. had the best internship experience with John Canzano. Um, it, it's state of the art equipment. I got 24 7 access. Like all of that definitely was what kind of molded me into saying, you know what? This is what I want to do long term. How I'm going to navigate through this journey, I don't know. But I know for a fact this is what I want to do long term. But I'm not going to sit here and act like I I was just not going to acknowledge (laughs) the fact that they did go bankrupt and also not acknowledge that I saw it coming back then when I was there. And the reason why I'm willing to even speak on it to this to this extent is because, quite frankly, nothing's guaranteed anyway. And that's probably the greatest lesson that I learned while working at Alpha Media, because, again, I was on air for six months. Things seemed to be going well. And what do you know? The the rug gets pulled from under me and I get laid off. So I'm not one of those people that, like, hesitates to speak on these kinds of things because nothing is guaranteed going forward. And obviously nothing was guaranteed then, or maybe I'd still be employed there. Who knows? Or I would have had the decision to leave on my own merit rather than theirs. So, you you know what I mean? It's like, I'm willing to speak on these kinds of things, not because, you know, I'm bitter about it because I'm not bitter about it in any way. But, um, you know, if some of you that really know kind of the history and some of the things I went through and dealt with, even within my own station alone, it was a crazy roller coaster of a six months. 
based on, you know, I'm not being the only hire. And I think I talked about it a bit on the, the 2020 end of the year episode when we had the Bubba Wallace clip, because when I said his profession prepared him to be able to deal with the backlash of being in a primarily white industry, obviously his being the race car industry and me being able to be in this media space and be in this headquarters building and be one of the few black people, the only black host on any of the six stations that were in the building. Um, and one of the few black people that you could count on one hand in the building as well. I, I, I really kind of was able to grow from that. And I really got to really learn what it was, who I wanted to be as far as um, an impact standpoint. And as far as, like I said, me just wanting to really be in this media space in general. So, um, some fortunate news, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think both of those just kind of went hand in hand, you know, reading that article, like less than 24 hours before seeing that actual clip. I thought it was a way to kind of weave it both in, bring in some culture and really For get sure. your perspective on it from a music standpoint, because flex is a music DJ. I liked it. Absolutely. Um, but to all my friends that are still employed at alpha media, I, I, the shows are still airing and stuff right now. So I'm still wishing you all the best and hope everything goes well for you, goes well for you, but we all know how nasty this business can get. So, um, now let's get into some sports commentating. You, you, did you hear about Reporter Clay? Reporter Clay said the dude might not make it. <laughs> he might not make it in the league too much longer. Get away. Did you, I don't even remember the guy's name. Who? Uh, oh, man, let that's me find a, it. That's enough said. That's enough. That's why it made name. sense yeah. because it really was a guy who was not like we ain't a heard good player. Like, like he really, really, really wasn't a good player. Like, it was a nobody that I don't <laughs> even just, know. <laughs> it just further just, like, fit into who Clay really is. And that's why you love him and you've I been love loving him. I love him to death. It's so I've been funny. saying it. Listen. he's funny, but he real, though. But it's just no sugarcoating. Like, it's funny. It's funny. It's, it's, it's hilarious. I've always said if there's any player in the NBA that I want to just hang out with and just have a fun-ass night, have some drinks, kick it, and just do what we do, you know, just hanging out with the fellas type stuff, that player would be Klay Thompson for that very reason. And for those of you that don't know the backstory, basically there's a guy on the Pistons who I'll find the name of because that's the correct thing to do that approached Juan Toscano Anderson, who's actually a friend of ours, grew up with him. I grew up playing the ball against him our whole life from AAU to high school basketball back in the Bay Area. And now he currently plays for the Golden State Warriors. Had a really good game tonight, actually. Yeah, uh, and their loss against the Celtics. The too. Yeah, yeah. Perfect he, he from had, behind the three-point yeah, line. Yeah, I think he had like 16 points or something okay. like that. Like, he had a real good game just tonight. Um, but he was approached by a bench player on the other team. And basically, without knowing what the actual dialogue was between the two, Clay Thompson was basically doing what I do for Portland State. He was being a, a sports reporter. He was being like an analyst. He had his headset set up for him to basically be on the call for the game. And you could hear Clay Thompson on the headset yell out to Juan because he sees that something is going on, but he doesn't quite hear what's being said. So he yells like out to Juan like, hey, what happened? What was he saying? And you could see in the clip that Juan was explaining it back to Clay, where Clay was able to hear it, obviously, being in the arena. But we couldn't hear it through the video or through the broadcast. And so when the uh, the play-by-play guy basically asked Clay, like, what was it that he say? That he said, Clay just basically went in on him and like, oh, he's just talking a bunch of nothing, trying to check my guy. He's probably just mad because he won't be in the league for much longer. Like, damn. Damn, it was that like was so unexpected. Shots, and all, everybody <laughs> loved it, even including the commentators. Absolutely. It was like he caught everybody off guard. Like, instead of saying what the guy actually said, he like, oh, he just tried to yeah. catch my guy. It's water he and probably it's just nothing. Mad. It's, nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. He, he probably jazzling. just mad he won't be in the league much longer. <laughs> like, he just went in on the dude. Um, but then, obviously, this clip goes viral. Bleacher Report, House of Highlights, you name it. They all post this clip. And uh, um, Big Baby on one of these sites that posted the clip, Glenn Big Baby Davis, former NBA player, he comments and says, oh, damn, 
the Clay Thompson injuries are karma. I see why he's dealing with all these injuries now because how he's talking about other dudes in the league, basically not having much more of a career Shut left up. and all. Yeah, it was some clown stuff. And so then Clay went and obviously, you know, on his Instagram story, made some comments back at Big Baby, basically like, yeah, I, t- I can't wait to play against you next year, which obviously isn't going to happen. Yeah, so yeah. there was a lot of sarc- sarcasm there, and he was saying how he was going to give Big Baby 40 next year. And so they just kind of been having an Instagram back and forth. But Clay is a monster. Clay ain't tripping. Clay ain't tripping. But, but this same guy, whoever, I, I, I still haven't even found his Because he won't be in there much longer. <laughs> You don't need his name. He won't make it. <laughs> uh, but the same guy, Draymond Green, in the post-game show basically defended Clay and defended Juan Anderson. And he basically just called dude all times as all types of soft. Uh Rodney Magruder is his name. Ding, 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 ding. Rodney no longer. <laughs> <laughs> Proceed with the story. He's Rodney no longer. Rodney no longer. <laughs> but yeah, Draymond went in in the post-game interview about Rodney Long no longer as well. That's gonna be his new name. That's his name for today's podcast. Rodney no longer. Rodney no longer. <laughs> He's a no longer. He might not make it. Yeah, for sure, man. But it was also some good NBA games tonight. Like I said, Juan bought out Celtics versus Clip. I mean, Celtics versus the Warriors. Um, the Celtics did end up winning, but also, my goodness, I think we might have saw a preview of what's going to be the NBA Finals tonight. I really do. The uh, the the, the, the uh, Nets and the Clippers. The Nets and the Clippers. It was a great game. Mm-hmm. It was one of those games to where like you saw. This oh, it was a, it was a, that was a heavyweight bout. It was, was a heavyweight bout. Yeah, you got, you saw out. everybody was amped up to play in this game. Like this was the was game that they were looking forward to on the schedule. You know, a lot of these other games, especially when you got to play these teams back to back and you got to play them twice. A lot of these other games, you're just kind of like, oh, whatever. But that game, they knew like this could potentially be an NBA finals matchup and they played like it tonight. The Nets came away victorious, barely. Kyrie Irving went absolutely bonkers. I think he had 39 points. He went nuts. But I'm really liking the balance in the NBA this year because I really don't know what's going to happen as the season progresses and obviously as we get into the postseason. It's it's about four teams that could really click, and whatever click is going to go because it's it's. But 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 even more so, you're right about the four teams that could click and, and like really be contenders. But my thing is, there's teams. It almost feels like the we believe year when the Warriors were the eight seed and the Dirk Nowitzki and the Dallas Mavericks were the number one seed and the Warriors beat them in the first round. And that was the first time we ever saw an eight versus one. This season to me has the feel of an eight seed being able to knock out a number one seed in the first round of the playoffs this year. Don't know who the eight seed is going to be. Don't know who the one seed. But you think about like Utah, for example, having a really good year, currently number one in the West. Let's say things say, let's say things stay that way. What if the Warriors end up being the eight seed? Now, granted, Utah just beat the snot out of the Warriors not too long ago. But but if the Warriors are the eight seed in the Western Conference and they click by then, you know what I mean? This season just kind of has that feel to me so maybe that's just kind of my hot take that when the playoffs come around we will see uh an eight seed be the one seed or just to give me a little bit more wiggle room because that rarely happens we'll see a seven seed be the two seed in the first round of the eastern or western conference playoffs so i'm really liking the fact that there's so much balance there's so much parity the I mean the Nets obviously I think have now what would be deemed a super team, um, but that's about it. And I still think that you know putting a super team together, especially once a season has already started, it's hard to win that first year. We've seen LeBron and D Wade and Chris Bosh struggle to win in their first year. Like we've seen scenarios where super teams don't win right away because it's just a really hard thing to do. So. I'm loving how the season is going right now because I really don't know how this thing is going to pan out. Facts. I agree 100%. It's interesting. I love basketball, though. The oh, NBA yeah. It's, is the, great. it's the greatest sport greatest, ever known to man. It's the greatest league in the world. Greatest sport ever known to man. 
Yeah, it, it's just the absolute stuff. Anything you got? Anything you want to talk about here? I think I'm, no, I'm ready I think to we wrap covered it, up. it up. We 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 just hit that hour mark right about. I love it. Great I, content. Absolutely. So make sure, like I said, y'all go and subscribe to all the platforms I announced at the beginning of the podcast. Obviously, anywhere that this podcast plays on the audio front: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. Search "Wake Up and Win" with Devon Pouncey. Also on YouTube, subscribe to Devon Pouncey TV. Also check out the Street Roots podcast which is another podcast hosted by that guy named Devon Pouncey um, that's all audio you can search it anywhere as well and we are going to leave y'all the only way that we know how and that is to stay woke and, and go win, win.